Well, thank you for joining us again tonight for this four-week study. This is the third of the fourth week. It's called A New Way of Thinking. A New Way of Thinking. In week one, just for review, in week one we talked about guarding your mind. And it was based on Proverbs 4.23, which says, above all else, guard your heart and your mind, for it's the wellspring of life. Your, your mind, we said that night, your mind is influenced, greatly influenced, by what we put into it and what we dwell on. And so the Bible tells us to guard the mind, because the devil knows he can corrupt your life by corrupting your thoughts. Hey, you need to hear that one again. Some of you need to be reminded. The devil knows he can corrupt your life by corrupting your thoughts. So you've got to guard your mind. And then in the second week, we said last week, train your brain. Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, talks about think on these things. That The Bible says there are some positive things we ought to be thinking on, we ought to dwell on. It's not enough just to keep the bad stuff out. We have to train our brain to dwell on the right stuff. The positive effects of right thoughts are extremely powerful. And so in Philippians 4, 8, 9, the Word of God gives us basically a checklist to work through to train our brain. As he says, think on these things. And we ask you to use that as a checklist to say, is it true? Is it positive? Is it helpful? Those kind of things. Is this thought? Just go through the checklist in Philippians 8 to 9. Train your brain to do that. Now tonight, the third uh, week in this study of a new way of thinking, tonight I want to talk to you about renovate your mind. Renovate your mind. Now I deliberately gave you a lot of space to write in tonight. Not much filling in the blank. There is a little bit of that. But I deliberately gave you a lot of space uh, to write in. Because we're going to be talking about a, a variety of things that I want you to have some freedom to take a, notes as you, as, they, uh, as you see it to be important to your life. So, tonight we want to talk about renovating your mind. Would you open God's Word with me to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. A very familiar scripture, but one that you and I need to process again. One that you and I need to look at closely tonight, Proverbs, I'm, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> now, Lisa and I like to watch these renovation TV shows. Do you all like to watch those? Uh, that's become one of our favorite things to watch uh, on TV at night, uh, where they renovate a house. Uh, there's three that we watch on a fairly regular basis. One is called Love It or List It. I mean, watch Love It or List It. All right, you know what I'm talking about. Another we like is the Property Brothers. Anybody with Property Brothers? All right. And then the one that's become probably our new favorite is Fixer Upper. Anybody watch Fixer Upper? Yeah. Uh, I think those, uh, that family, I believe, are Christians that live in Texas. But uh, we just love to watch these renovation programs and... Uh, they make home renovation look so easy on TV, don't they? I mean, they, they, they absolutely renovate an entire house in 30 minutes. It's crazy. I mean, I'd love to be able to do it that way. Uh, but but you, when you're watching these shows, they show you the before situation, and, and it's old, and it's out of date, and it and it's, needs fixing, and it's, it's rotted, and all kinds of things. And they move quickly from what it was showing you an example of what it could be 
with their computer and all that kind of thing. And then in the end, you get to see what it really is. And it's always fascinating to see what it is. The results are always stunning and beautiful. But somewhere, and this happens in every show, it's, it's just the same format in every show, somewhere between what it was and what it becomes, there's some speed bumps along the way, aren't there? There's always, always, in fact, try to watch one tonight and see if you don't see this. There's always at least uh, something that comes up that they didn't expect. And somebody's on the phone saying, we got problems, there's a leak here, we got problems, there's rot here, we, got pro- we didn't plan for this, we got problems, we need to adjust this. There's always that kind, of a, that kind of a deal. Of course, that's true when you're doing renovation, I guess, that you always run into those kind of problems. But there's always speed bumps. The, the budget goes higher than they anticipated. There's more work that needs to be done. Sometimes tempers flare. Sometimes materials don't, sh- don't show up and arrive on time. But eventually, it all comes together, and it is a beautiful and a wonderful story. I like a good ending, so I kind of like that show, you know? <laughs> you have good endings there. Listen to me. Renovating your mind is a lot like renovating those houses. It takes a lot of work. There are usually some setbacks. It's usually harder than you think it's going to be. Sometimes tempers flare. Sometimes it's costly, but the end result makes it worth it. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul, you can put this on your notes, the Apostle Paul makes the case that the way to a happy life is to transform your thought life. The way to a happy life is to transform your thought life. Now, we're going to do two things with the text here real quickly. First of all, we're going to read the text Then we're going to work on it in a unique way. So first of all, let's just read the text. And I want you to read it out loud with me. If you have the NIV translation, uh, read Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Let's read it together out loud. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Here we're going to read verses 1 and 2. You ready? Here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, that's a very familiar scripture to most of us here tonight, I'm sure. I want to read verse 1 again and make a few comments about it, and then I want us to do something different with verse 2, all right? So, looking at verse 1, let's read through it again. I'm just going to read it this time. You can follow along. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers. Let's stop there for a moment. Why do you think Paul used the word urge? When you use the word urge, what does that imply? It's pretty important. I urge you. This Now, why would somebody urge you to do something? It is important, and there's another reason. Why would somebody urge you to do something? It's necessary. It's for you. Oh, I'm here to say, it's for your benefit. Yeah. Here's the, here's the deal. The person who is urging you understands the benefit of this, right? They understand. They know sometimes what you don't know. They can see sometimes what you can't see. They see, somebody said it's for your benefit. They see the benefit of this. 
they know the outcome if you don't. And so, for instance, if the building was on fire, and I were to go to Tom and say, Tom, I urge you to go out of the building. It would be for his benefit. It's because I know something perhaps he does not yet know. He doesn't know yet that there's a fire in another part of the building. I've got that information. He doesn't have it. He's thinking, I don't know. I feel pretty good right here. You know, I, I just think you ought to keep going. And I said, no, Tom, I urge you. You see, I know something. He doesn't know. And there's a, whenever, whenever somebody urges you, there is an urgency about it too, isn't there? Remember that. If somebody urges you to do something, there is an urgency about it. And so, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers. Now, look at this phrase. In view of God's mercy, how has God been merciful? Somebody tell me. You know the answer. How has God been merciful? In view of God's mercy, what does that mean? Through Jesus. Expand on it. Forgiveness. Expand on it. Salvation, the gift of salvation. Expand on it. What? Forgives our sins. Expand on it. He gave his life. Exactly. He's withholding the judgment we deserve. All of the things that you just said are absolutely true. Put it all together. And Paul says with urgency... I I want to tell you something. In view of God's mercy, in view of the fact that God has been merciful to you, God has been good to you. Has Has God been good to anybody here tonight? In view of God's mercy, not because your circumstances are what you want them to be, not because it's the church thing to do, not because if you're going to be a good Christian, you need to do this, I want to tell you something, those motivations don't last. But in view of God's mercy, here's what you need to do. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now, we could take a long time and talk about that, but you've heard the old phrase. Let me see if you've heard it. Somebody can fill it in. He says, offer your bodies, first of all, not just your heart, not just your, 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 your feelings or your beliefs. He said, offer your bodies. He's talking about your physical, he's talking about you, your physical body. Offer your bodies as what kind of sacrifices? Why does he say living sacrifices? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Offer your bodies as living sacrifice. It's a beautiful picture if you think about it. Think about this for a moment. What if, what if you did not just have a one-time sacrifice, but you were a living sacrifice? An ongoing sacrifice. In view of God's mercy, don't you think it would, he would be worth it? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Somebody says, 
Uh, the reason you have to continue to offer, and by the way, it's in the present tense. It means an ongoing thing. Continue to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Somebody said the reason that you have to continue to offer your body as a living sacrifice is that we tend to crawl off the altar. Right? We tend to crawl off the altar. There are days when we say, Lord, I'm dedicated. Lord, I'm all yours. Lord, I'm surrendered. I sacrifice whatever. And, and God, we, you're just submitted to God. There are days that are like that, and those are beautiful and wonderful. And then there are days where you forget God's name. You don't even talk to Him. And you tend to crawl off the altar. And so he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, this is very, very important, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of, what's that word? Worship. Spiritual act of worship. Uh, Man, we could talk a lot about that, but I hadn't even got to our text yet, so let me go on. Now, here's here's what he says in verse 2. I told you we're going to read the text, then I told you we're going to do something with it. So look in verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind by renovating the word renewing has the idea the concept of putting back into a new position renovating it putting it back like it's new and and so but be transformed by the renovating the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will now here's what i want to do with that text it's going to be a little confusing we're going to have to work on it together but i think we, we can eventually get it Now, I don't have my Bible up here with me, so you're going to have to help me. I want us to read that verse, just verse 2. I want us to read that verse backwards. Now, this is going to be confusing, I know, but let's try it. So, at the very end of verse 2, what what is he talking about? The perfect will? He's talking about the perfect, and, and he calls it, does he say good will? Pleasing, the perfect, pleasing will of God. All right, we got a good start. Now, in order to experience the perfect, pleasing will of God, go backwards, what's the next thing? You're going to have to say it louder. Okay, all right, it's, it's good. Perfect, pleasing, it's good, but, but go back beyond that. Test and approve. All right. You need to test somehow. We'll talk about this. And approve. Approve what? God's will. All right, we're going backwards now. What was the next? Yes. If you're going to test and approve, if you're going to test God's will, then you have to renew your mind. 
And in order to renew your mind, what's the next? Your mind needs to be transformed. And in order for your mind to be transformed, what's next? I'm hearing a lot of stuff. I don't know what you're saying. Don't conform. Is that it or is there another one? Is that it? Sometimes it helps you to take a sentence and go backwards with it. To take a train of thought and go backwards so you can analyze it a little bit more. Because, you see, we tend to read it frontwards. Of course, that's the best way to read it, right? We tend to read it left to right. We tend to read it uh, the way we always read it. But the problem is we've read it so many times we don't think about what we've just read. When I was doing my uh, doctoral work, I got to near the end with my thesis. is 175 pages. Uh, and here's what they told us to do with the thesis. It said, before you submit the thesis, read it backwards. Word for word. Because you have, that's, the, that's the best way to look for mistakes, for grammatical errors, for spelling problems. Because you've looked at it so much over the last two or three years as you've worked on it and typed it and everything. You've looked at it so much, you miss things. So when I took my doctoral thesis and as best as I could, I read it backwards. Didn't make a lot of sense, but... <laughs> All right, so here's the idea. Watch this now. We want to experience the perfect, pleasing will of God. You want that, don't you? You want God's perfect will for your life. You want God's perfect will in your marriage. You want God's perfect will in your work. You want God's perfect will in your finances. You want God's perfect will in every aspect of your life. We want to experience the, the, God's perfect will. It is pleasing when we do that. In order to experience God's perfect will, we need to test and approve some things. We, we've got to test and approve. Is this God's will? Throughout your day, throughout the week, throughout the month, you have to test and approve things. Is this right? Is this wrong? Is this good? Is this bad? And you have to test and approve things in order to make sure that you're living in God's perfect will. But in order to really test and approve things, you've got to have your mind renewed your mind is not renewed then you're not going to be thinking about the right things you're not going to be able to test and approve sometimes you got to renovate your mind because if you're not careful you'll just go back to the old patterns of thinking the old nature will kick in and so you need to make sure that your mind is renewed and in order for your mind to be renewed it really has to be transformed We'll talk about what that word means in a few moments. It really has to be essentially changed, different. For some of you, your mind needs to be essentially changed tonight. It needs to be radically different. And how is our minds uh, changed and become radically different? Well, one of the things is we have to make sure we are not conforming to what does it say? Don't conform to what? Pattern of this world. Guess where you live in this world. And every day, this world tries to squeeze you into its own way, into its own pattern. Every day, this world is squeezing you, and you have to make sure that you're thinking differently. So, 
That's an introduction to what we want to talk about tonight. Here's the thesis of the text. Put this on your notes. The thesis of the text is this. Your mind is instrumental to all that you hope to be. Your mind is instrumental to all that you hope to be. So, the question is, how do we go about renovating our mind? Well, I'm skipping through some stuff because I can see already we're not going to get done if I don't. Um, Let's just jump into number one, what you've got there on your notes. Number one, every Christian faces the danger of conforming to this world. Let's start there. Every Christian faces the danger of conforming to this world. How many faces that danger? What, what does that say? How many face that danger? Every Christian. Look what Paul says in verse 2. <clears throat> I'm sorry, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, what's the next word? Brothers, who's he talking about? Who's he talking to? Christians. Christians where? Christians in the church at Rome. He says, I want to urge you, brothers. Now, these Christians in Rome had the greatest pastor that you could ever have. They had Paul. They had been taught by the greatest teacher you could ever imagine, the Apostle Paul and others. And Paul says to these Christians in Rome, Brothers, may I help you with something? If you're not careful, you will conform to the pattern of this world. Now, I want you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. Regardless of how long you've been a Christian, regardless of what you've done for God in the past, the danger that every Christian faces is that we can become conformed to the pattern of the world in which we live. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a member of this church. It doesn't matter how much you've done for God. Every Christian has that potential. Notice what Paul says. There's a word, a phrase here that I want you to, you, you may want to underline it in verse 2. He says, do not conform. What's the next two words? Do not, do not conform. What's the next two words? Any longer. What does that imply? They have been doing it, right? They have been conforming. They've already been squeezed into the world's mold. They've already had that pressure. They've already felt it. They've already given into it. They've already been... Uh, changed in a negative way by the world's thinking? Paul says, do not conform any longer. I like the J.B. Phillips translation. He says, do not let the world squeeze you into its own mold. Now, this is, as far as I know, this is a true story, what I'm about to tell you. And, and somebody, this, we're getting ready to go into spring gardening. Somebody might want to try this. If you try it, let me know if, the, if it actually works. Uh, at a county fair... You know, they, they, they have these things where you, you grow pumpkins and you, you get them judged. I don't, I don't understand how all that works. They, they all look orange to me. But, but you get a pumpkin or whatever, whatever you've grown and you take it to the county fair and it's judged. Well, at one county fair, this guy had a, a pumpkin and it looked just like a two-gallon jug. And he won first place. And they asked him, how in the world did you grow that pumpkin to look like a two-gallon jug? He said, it was real easy. When it was really small, I put it in a two-gallon jug. 
and it grew and conformed to the image of the jug. I want to tell you something. If you're not careful, the world will conform you into its image. We are not to be conformed to the image of the world. We're to look like Jesus. We're to think like Jesus. We're to live like Jesus. Can somebody say amen to that? We're not to be conformed to the image of this world. Every Christian faces the danger, though, of being squeezed into the world's mold. Tell me this. Let's just be real practical and honest for a moment. Tell me this. How can the world squeeze us into its mold? What are some of the things that, that... that would tend to make us susceptible to that? What, what, are some things, what are some ways that the world can squeeze us into its mold? Television, absolutely. What? Peer pressure, yes. Social media, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Desensitizing. Go a little further with that one. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> okay. Think, of, think in these terms. Every, now listen, I'm trying to be as practical as I can. Everything you watch, everything that you hear, has the potential, has at least the potential to begin to squeeze you a little bit more into the world's mold. Would you agree with that? That's why you have to be, and I have to be very, very careful what we watch, what we listen to. And sometimes what we watch or listen to is not the TV show or the radio. Sometimes it's people. You know, our friends. Our friends can shape us and squeeze us into the molds of the world. But sometimes it is television. Sometimes it is the radio. Sometimes it is the music we're listening to. Now, now listen, I am not telling you that you ought to go tear up your TV. If you've got a big flat one, you might want to bring it to my house before you do. You know, big flat screen, go ahead and bring it over. I'll help you move it if you need to. But I am telling you this. If you're not careful, you will allow things in your home by way of TV that you would never allow in your home if there was a human person there. Isn't that right? You will allow language in your home that you would never allow if there was a human person there. Amen or oh me? We've just got to be careful. We've just got to be careful. Let me talk to you about the word conformed. Put this on your notes. Just you got a lot of blank space there. Put it on your notes. Conformed means to be changed from the outside in. The word means to be changed from the outside in. And I, I said about what you watch or what you listen to. I could also say what you read is another way. You'll soon be conforming to the values and to the standards of this world. Now. Let me show you, practically speaking, how this happens. This, this is going to help somebody. It's going to take a moment to kind of walk, walk through it, but this is going to help somebody. Let me show, show you, practically speaking, how this happens. All right. Let's try the black. 
In every area of our lives, there are basically two plans that we can follow. And this, this is very simple, but if you'll stay with me, I think you'll, you'll see this to be very, very helpful. In every area of our lives, there are two plans we can follow. There is plan A, and what do you think the second one is? Plan B. It's it, marvelous, isn't it? Aren't you glad you came tonight? All right. Plan A, plan B. Plan A, we're going to call God's plan. Plan B, we're going to call the world's plan. And in most, if not every area of your life, you're, you're going to be pulled in one of two directions. You can call this man's way, the world's plan, whatever you want to call it. Plan A and plan B. God's way, by the way, often requires that we live by faith. Man's way requires that we live by reason or sometimes rationalization. Okay? Now, stay with me. Let me give you an example. My favorite scripture is, you know, if you've been here any time at all, my favorite scripture is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, plan A. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, plan B. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, plan A. And he will direct your path. There's this tension that we all have to deal with, this, this tension that we all have to work through. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on rationalization or reason. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. That His plan is better. His plan is best. And He'll direct your paths. Now, the strength of plan A in your life is determined by your personal conviction that God's way is the right way and the best way. The strength, let me say it again, the strength of plan A is when you determine that God's plan is right and God's plan is best, okay? The strength of plan B is determined by the amount of time and energy you invest in entertaining the thoughts that are contrary to God's word. Plan B thoughts are often contrary to God's word. So the strength of plan B thoughts is determined by how much time you spend focusing on these thoughts that are contrary to God's word. By the way, where do you think plan B thoughts come from? Satan. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the more time and energy you spend, watch this now, the more time and energy you spend filling your mind with plan B thoughts, the further away you'll get from God's plan A. And listen to this, the further you get from God's plan A, the more painful and destructive it is. Does that make sense? Sometimes, don't you wonder, how in the world did I end up here? How did I end up in this mess? How did I end up with this kind of problem? It might be that in your mind, 
rather than focusing on God's plan A, what's right and what's best, and walking by faith in that situation, you begin to drift over to plan B, man's way of thinking, which is based on reason and rationalization. And the more time you spent thinking about these plans that are often contrary to God's word, the further and further and further away you've got from God's plan A. Somebody said our minds are like gardens, and whatever we plant there grows. You've heard this one before as well. Sow a thought and reap an act. Sow an act and reap a habit. Sow a habit and reap a character. You see, everybody's lives, mine included, everybody's lives are ultimately, are ultimately shaped by our thoughts. give you one example Christian wife or Christian husband unhappy in their marriage he or she knows God's plan A they know this is God's plan A but the influences now watch this the influences in your mind are powerful and so so you're reading these Romance novels, and you think, why can't my husband be like that? Or you're watching movies you shouldn't watch, and you think, why can't my wife do that? And you're focusing on these plan B thoughts, and you're watering those. And before long, you start talking to other friends, and they're telling you, you know what? I think I'd just leave. And the more you think about that, the more that sounds like the better option. Because this option is based on reason and rationalization, and you can rationalize just about anything if you think long enough, right? This, this plan takes a lot more faith. This plan is sometimes very harder, uh, a lot harder. And suddenly, suddenly you convince yourself, if I'm really going to be happy, I need plan B. I'll never be happy with plan A. Now, this is not just about marriage. Listen to this, though. Who in the world do you think is telling you that you'll never be happy with plan A? The devil wants to convince you. And again, it's not just about marriage. The devil wants to convince you that the only way you can experience happiness is over here. The truth is, the only way you can truly experience happiness is over here. But how do we do that? That's why Paul says, I urge you. This is so important. I urge you, don't be conformed, don't be squeezed in from the outside in, but be transformed. Let's talk about that word, transformed. What does that word mean? Put this on your notes. Every, this is number two. Every Christian has the potential to be transformed. Every Christian has the potential to be transformed. Let me give you the Greek word. It's, it's the Greek word for transform is metamorphumai. Metamorphumai. And it, does that sound like an English word you might be familiar with? Metamorphosis. Explain to us what a metamorphosis is. 
changing from one thing to another. We have in our, in our backyard uh, an above-ground swimming pool. I have grown to hate that thing over the years. If you want a money pit, I want to tell you something. It is a perfect money pit. And I think now that my kids are grown and gone mostly, I'm going to tear it down this summer. So should you want an above-ground pool? I'll make you a really good deal called F-R-E-E. Now, the reason that I thought about the, my pool and the metamorphosis is this reason. My, my cover always has murky water on top of it. And in that murky water, I don't know how they get there. I promise you, I didn't put them there. But in that murky water, eventually, and just a, probably now just as soon as the weather starts warming up, eventually there's going to be little tadpoles in there. Where they come from, I have no idea. The little bitty tiny things, they just look like a little speck. And then I watch them and they grow. I mean, I got this, little, I got this tadpole farm in my backyard. And I watch these things. And, and, and all of a sudden, these little black dots have little tails on them. And now they're starting to swim everywhere. And, and eventually, they jump out of the, the, the tarp thing and find a way and get into the swimming pool. So when I pull the cover off the swimming pool, guess what I've got a pool full of? Frogs. Now, how in, they were just little black dots, and now they're a frog. That's a metamorphosis. They, I don't have time to tell you this story. My, my dear daughter, Lauren, she got so upset with me when I killed the tadpoles last summer. We, we had to actually take, I don't, I, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm telling you right. We had to take the, pad, the tadpoles to a creek because she didn't want, she didn't want me to kill them. What she didn't know is I had killed thousands of them before she came outside. <laughs> I let her think I was a good dad. Okay, honey, we'll take these tadpoles to the creek. Just don't look over there at those dead tadpoles. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, here's the point I'm trying to get to. Every Christian has a potential to be transformed. Now, a transformation is a radical change. The tadpole into a frog is a metamorphosis. It is a radical change from one nature and life to another. The Bible says you can be transformed. Every Christian can be radically changed from one kind of life to another. Look at it in the text. Do not be conformed, squeezed from the outside in any longer, to the pattern of this world. You've been doing that, but let's not do it anymore. But in contrast to that, be transformed. Now put this on your notes. There's not a blank, just in that blank space. Put this on your notes. The word transform means change from the inside out. Conformed means change from the outside in. Transform means change from the inside out. Here's the good news. Are you ready for some good news tonight? Here's some good news. If you're plagued by lustful thoughts, if you are plagued by a heart of bitterness, if you, if you struggle with daily guilt or some temptation, I want you to know something. The Bible says you don't have to stay that way. I had a, a sweet young lady 
uh, in my class this week at Anderson. Uh, I'm not going to tell you her name or, or her story, except this is the way she started the conversation after class. And God just keeps opening doors, and it just, it's, just, it's just wonderful. Here's what she said after class uh, this past Thursday. She said, um, do you have anything that could help me with hate? Because I hate my sister. And she poured out her story. We went and sat and talked, and she poured out her story. From a human standpoint, after hearing her story, there is no reason to say, uh, uh, you can be different. From a human standpoint, there was nothing I could point to to say, you don't have to be this way. Because from a human standpoint, watch this, from a human standpoint, plan B we would look at this from plan B and say, you know what, you're right in hating her. I'd hate her too if I were you. You know, you're right because this is not going to get any better. She's not going to be any different. She's probably going to be worse. And she's probably going to do it again. And, and you, you're, you're, you're justified in your hatred. But I was able to say, I didn't diagram this for her, but I was able to say, you know what, there is a plan A. There is a way you can be different. You don't have to be conformed to the standards of the world that tell you you ought to hate her. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, let's look at this real quickly. Write this down somewhere, just in that blank area. The world wants to control your mind. God wants to transform your mind. God works from the inside out. And next week, we're going to talk about how God does that. One of the ways that God does that. Let me, let me bring to number three. So we can wrap, wrap this up. Number three, renewing your mind is a daily process where you exchange the devil's lies for God's truth. Renewing your mind is a daily process. Everybody look at my board. Renewing your mind is a daily process where you exchange the devil's lies for God's truth. Renewing your mind is a daily process where you reject plan B and you hang on to plan A. That is renewing your mind. I find it interesting that the Word of God says in the Old Testament, it's called the Great Commandment, in the Old and New Testament, essentially, it says the same thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The best way to do this is just to start each day by reading God's Word and letting it renew your mind. Now, let's look at verse 2, and, and we're going to wrap this up. <clears throat> do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, made totally different, a radical change by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then. Then, once you have been transformed, once your mind is different, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Satan wants to tell you that the pleasing and the perfect and the good is over here. And every day, 
there has to be this, this cleansing of my mind, this renewing of my mind, where I'm saying, no, the best for me is right here. So next Sunday night, I want to talk to you specifically about how we renew our mind in a daily process. But let me give you a, kind of a commercial, a, a little hint as to how we do that. It's a daily process where you are, you are exchanging the devil's lies for God's truth. You see, Satan's primary weapon is a lie. Guess what your defense against his lies are? God's truth. Satan's primary weapon is a lie. And the way that you combat that lie is with God's truth. Next Sunday night, we're going to talk about a practical way we can do that. By the way, when you begin to to expose Satan's lies with God's truth, that is when his power is broken in your life. And the first, piece of, the first piece of armor, spiritual armor, is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Neil Anderson, I'll close with this quote. Neil Anderson said, listen carefully. He said, Satan's lies cannot withstand the truth any more than the darkness of night can withstand the rising of the sun. That's good. Satan's lies cannot withstand the truth any more than the darkness of night can withstand the light of the rising sun. So I hope you'll be back next week. We'll try to be very personal and very practical in how that we can renew our minds in this daily process of exchanging the devil's lies with God's truth. Lord, thank you for your word because it is personal, it is powerful, and it is practical. And I pray that this week, we will at least remember plan A and plan B. Your perfect will and the world's suggestions. And may you direct our mind to your plan A. Regardless of the past, now in the present, direct our minds to your plan A. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.